Greetings to one and all. Yeah. Uh, let me see again. Okay, it's off. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. That should be good. That should be good. Just a little bit of amplification is good. That's good. All right. Greetings to one and all. It's good to be here. It's the first time for me to be. It's the first time for me to be in Kenya. Uh, maybe am I in the line of? Yeah, maybe. That's good. Uh, okay. So this is my first time to be here in Kenya. I never thought I would be in this part of the world. Of course, I'm originally from Zimbabwe. And I have been living in the United States of America for the past 24 years. And the Lord has sent me this way Hallelujah. with a very particular message. And I believe He has people who should hear the message. Oh, yes. It is the message of Christ. Amen. Glory. I'm going to say, I have a million things to say. But one of the things that I need you to pay attention to is to listen. Okay? Yes. We have to listen to what God is saying. Yes. And what God is saying is coming from the Bible. Hallelujah. So I have to teach the Bible. Amen. I cannot waste your time and mine. Yes. Okay? You're going to hear a lot of things that you probably have never heard before. Thank you. And there are going to be things that will challenge the way that you thought you knew about Jesus. Thank you. Things that may cause you to not sleep at night. Hallelujah. But the gospel is serious business. Amen. Okay? Yes. We'll continue to talk as we have time, but we already saw behind. I came with a schedule. My intention is to do seven messages, which means two messages a day, and then we have one message on Tuesday. I've been working on this for the past two months or more. So we can't waste the time. We have to commit to starting on time so that God blesses our time. Okay? Let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day that you have made and allowed us to meet together 
that we may hear from you to hear about the Christ who came and died that he may save his people from their sins. Which thing he did already. And he is now calling his people through the gospel to himself through the teaching of the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit help me to speak the truth and may he help his people to hear the truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our teaching is going to be the first message is going to be from Romans chapter 3. And we'll begin at verses 9 to 31. Romans 3, 9 to 31. This is what the apostle recorded for us, recorded for the church. He says, what then? Is everybody there? Romans nine, Romans 3, verses 9 to 31. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They become together unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they practice deceit. The poison of us is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works, no, by the law, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that man, that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? 
Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. And that is the word of the Lord. And that is our pattern of teaching. We have to read the text. And we have to explain the text. Anything short of that is not preaching. You read the text. You explain the text. Because if there's someone who's coming in here who has never heard of Christ, they cannot hear the Christ that is just saying that is apart from what God has said in the text. So you have to explain the text. That's what I'm going to be doing. So we're going to go verse by verse and explain what God is saying. And when you're out of here, you can go and tell other people what you have learned. Okay? That's how things go. For titles, we have three titles to the message. I've given the message three titles. Number one, all under sin. All under sin. All men and women are born under sin. Number two, God's righteousness revealed. That would be the main subject of our conversation. God's righteousness revealed. And number three, boasting excluded. Boasting excluded. And I lied. I said I had three titles. I actually have four. The number four title is What Then? What Then? And I'll begin this way. Greetings again. Greetings Kenya and the brethren, brothers and sisters that name our Lord Jesus according to God's gospel. The gospel of God's free and sovereign grace of which I was conscripted and called to preach as it is today. The church that I pastor in the United States is called Berean Sovereign Grace Church and we do have a lot of other brethren who are scattered in the United States and across the world who are sending their greetings in the name of Christ to you. Amen. They are praying that God would call, if not teach his people the truth of the gospel. Okay? Yes. So they are very excited to share me with you. Hallelujah. To declare to you the very wonderful things of our Lord Jesus. Who he is, what he has done, and what that means. And how we ought to understand what God is saying about Jesus. So that our faith is not based on the wisdom of man, but on the truth of God. So I'm very thankful to God, and I'm thankful for many things. I'm thankful for you. 
I'm thankful for life. I am thankful that he granted me safe travels to the land of Jomo Kenyatta. Daniel Arab Moi, Moi Kibaki, Uhuru Kenyatta, Ruto, the land of the Didan Kimathi, the Mau Mau. Yes, I learned about the Mau Mau in high school. Okay, so I know a little bit about Kenyan history. But thank you, brothers and sisters, again for having me here. It has been a long time coming. And many thanks to our hosting pastors and the brethren who are with them. Brother David and our brother Patrick, is it Kavoy or Kavoy? Kavoy. Yes. And the brethren with him. And I have one thing to say to Brother David. I learned that his wife is from Zimbabwe. <laughs> and I've come <laughs> to collect some of my cattle <laughs> on my way to Zimbabwe. <laughs> so I, I'm making arrangements with Kenyan Airlines to see what we can do about that. Okay. I just wanted to take care of that business first. But that aside, I wanted to revisit the matter of things that I'm thankful to God for. Most importantly, I'm thankful that he did not and still does not and will not deal with me or you if you believe the gospel according to your sins. Because I know myself, whatever I touch becomes unclean. In other words, I'm a sinner. And I believe, and I hope you believe that you're a sinner too. <laughs> By nature, I'm a man full of leprosy. And if you know your Bible very well, those who had leprosy were put in some leper village where only those who had leprosy lived, they were isolated from everybody. But the Lord Jesus has done some wonderful work. And this is not because he just likes me. Because I'm a very nice and cool guy. God could never save anyone because they're nice and cool. That's not how it works. And if God did not already save me or you on the cross, you cannot be saved now. You cannot be saved now and you cannot be saved anywhere. But salvation is more than God loving me or you. Salvation is more than God giving you money or giving you good health or giving you the nicest house. Salvation is about the Son of God. It's about the glory of His Son. The Son of God's name is Christ Jesus. 
It is about the glory of his son that God purposed from eternity. And not for Jesus to be admired by people. As a manger baby. People love babies. Go around with the baby. Everybody will come to the baby. And say, look how cute she is. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is the Jesus of the cross. And it is for the cross that you and I were born and stand here this day with this great hope. Christmas is around the corner. And people love the baby Jesus. Because the baby Jesus looks very weak. He's wearing his diapers, his pampas. He looks cute. But the Jesus of the cross is very offensive. He is the rock of offense. He is the stone of stumbling. And if we understand the cross, then we can understand everything. If we miss the cross, we do not know anything. Because, hear me, everything in God's creation was made in service to the cross and to the glory of Christ. Everything in creation was made to the glory of the Son. So any teaching, any gathering, in the name of Jesus, that minimizes the work of the cross, the work of the Son, is not the gospel. It may have some words of grace in it. It may have the name of Jesus in it. Because people think that if you just say grace, you are speaking the gospel. No, that's not true. Even if you say Jesus, that does not mean you are talking gospel. It may have a lot of all night prayers. That's still not the gospel. It may have a lot of rebuking the devil. The devil is a liar. This and that is still is not the gospel. It is another gospel. It is an accursed gospel. Our gospel should be such that if a person is coming from Japan, they just walked in, they will hear by the conviction of the Holy Spirit that this is a different message. So it has to be clear and it must be communicated well. So God is not like Santa. God is not Father Christmas. God is not our grandfather. Santa has nothing to give anyone. Santa does not even bring Christmas gifts to anyone. He, give, he brings what has been given by the other people. <laughs> I wanted for us to have an expectation of what it is to say preaching the gospel. If there were five other preachers to come after me, you should be able to tell who is preaching the gospel and who is not preaching the gospel. You should have expectations 
very high expectations for anyone who claims to be a preacher of the gospel because we are talking about your own soul. Yes. We are talking about your meeting with the creator of all things to whom we must give account for everything that you have done. We are not talking about the president of Kenya here. We are talking about the God of creation. And you know who listens to this more than anybody else? It's God himself. It's God himself. So God must approve my message. Otherwise it's useless. And for God to approve my message, it must come from the text. It must be faithful to the text. We must know the text. We must teach the text. We should know what John is saying. We should know what Paul is teaching in Romans, in Galatians, in Hebrews, in 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians. So don't just aim in things. Pay attention. Pay attention to what is being said. Apostle John said, test the spirits, beloved, do not believe every spirit. Why? Because many spirits have gone out and they're saying some things about Jesus. So you must pay attention to what is being said and also what is not being said. Okay? Learn the doctrine of Christ so I'm here to set the pattern. If God would allow it, the pattern of teaching, of sound teaching, I do not care how many people are here. I do not care where we have the meeting. But the truth of Christ must be present. So our messages are long. My messages are very long. Because I teach the text. I explain the text. And I connect the text. That's the only way to make anyone wise with respect to Christ. And with that introduction, be praying for me and yourselves. And pray for everybody who shall hear the message. Because I shall rec- I'm recording these messages. They shall be online. And a lot of people are going to hear across the world. We now go to our text in Romans 3. Apostle Paul was laboring, he was working to declare God's gospel. The good news. And he begins in Romans 1. (laughs) Romans 1 verse 3 to tell us what the gospel that he is talking about is all about. Romans 1 3 Paul says the gospel concerning James Guill. The gospel concerning (laughs) you know where I'm going with this? The gospel concerning his son. Christ our Lord was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power 
according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. That's what sets the foundation of the gospel. Who is Christ, son of David, according to the flesh, but declared to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. And in this gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Verse 17 of Romans 1. For in this gospel, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed, is made known from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. That is, be justified by faith. And that means by the gospel of Christ. By the faith of Christ Jesus. Or the faithfulness of Christ Jesus. As against being justified or being made right by your own good works. By your own obedience to the law. That is the correct understanding. Justified, made, called by God to be righteous before him by reason of the faith of Jesus. The faithfulness of Jesus to the Father. Amen. You shall live before God. It means you shall not be condemned by God because of the faith of Christ Jesus. Yes. But why does God have to do things this way? Why does God have to justify you by the faith of another? Because there's a problem. There's a problem with you and me. We have a serious problem. There's a problem with all of humanity. There's a problem with all who are born of a woman. As God has described in Romans chapter 1, that I call Romans one country. And in Romans chapter one, Paul began by describing the spiritual condition of all Gentiles. The world then at the time of the writing of Romans by Apostle Paul was divided into two groups of people. There were those who were of the Jews and everyone else were called the Gentiles. Okay. So the testimony of Romans 1 is talking about everybody else who were not Jews at the time of writing. And the Holy Spirit says, God's anger, God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men because they suppress the truth in unrighteousness the ungodliness of man suppresses the truth of God in unrighteousness. If man were for the truth, we would be preaching from the stadium. When they had 
or would have heard about Jesus, they would all come to hear about Jesus. But they are too busy suppressing the truth of Christ in unrighteousness. The whole world is in the business of suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. It doesn't matter where. In America, in Japan, in England, in Africa, in Asia, they are busy doing the same thing. Okay. So, God says, the Gentile is in serious trouble with God. The Gentiles are in serious trouble. And the Jew, hearing what Paul was saying, would come and say to Paul, of course I understand. Paul is right. The Gentiles are wicked. <laughs> they do not obey the law. Because the Jews thought they were obeying the law. But then among the Gentiles, there were some who were called the moralists. Those people that thought they were very good in themselves. They were righteous in themselves by the things that they approved or did not approve, by the things that they did or did not do. They thought they were good people. They were doing righteous things according to how they saw themselves. They looked themselves in the mirror and just were like, oh, how beautiful I am. <laughs> My mother made me good. They did not steal. They paid all their bills on time. They wore some very nice dresses, long dresses all the way to their feet. They were very respectable people of the society, good standing members. But Paul comes and says, you two are condemned. You two are condemned. Romans 2. Therefore, you are inexcusable, all men, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. The very people who are talking about your sin also are doing the same things. That's what Paul is saying. Whatever sin you think another person is doing, God says you also are guilty of the same thing. So the moralist, the person who thinks is good in themselves, is still guilty of the same sins that were condemning others. They were doing the same thing. Even though no one may have seen them, but God saw them. <laughs> so who was doing better then? Who was doing better? Was there anybody who was doing better? Was the law keeper any better than the moralist? Was the law keeper better than the ones described in Romans chapter 1. Romans 2, verse 17 to 24. Paul comes and condemns the law keeper and says, they too are in trouble. The law keeper is also in trouble. They are also condemned because the Jews relied and boasted in their law keeping. To establish their relationship with God. But Paul comes and says. That does not work either. That's not good. You cannot approach God. Based on your own obedience to the law. 
So the Romans 1 people, the Romans 2 people, the law keepers, they are in the same WhatsApp group. They are in the same WhatsApp group. They have the same problem. They are helpless and hopeless. What then? So that builds our background to what Paul is saying in Romans 3. So God, Romans 3, and beginning at verse 9, with everything that I've said, Paul comes and says, what then? Are we better than these people that I've just described? Are we better than the prostitute down the street? Are we better than the people who are stealing? Are we better than the people who are in prison? Paul says, not at all. Just because you're not in prison does not mean you're better. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they're all under sin. Both Jews, that's the whole world and Greeks. As I said earlier, the whole world was divided into two groups. So both Greeks and Jews are all under sin. None is better. But how is that, Paul? How is that? Can you tell us more about these people? And that will take us to verse 10 to 12 of Romans 3. Paul says, as it is written, there's none righteous, nor not one. And that's the pattern of preaching. My brothers, when you preach, you preach like Paul. As it is written. And then you draw your people to where it is written. So that they see what God is actually saying. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They've together become unprofitable, useless. There's none who does good. No, not one. God says there's not a single person, even who has an orphanage that feeds 20 million people, they are not righteous. Amen. Thank you, Lord. They are not righteous. See those four nuns? None righteous. None who understands. None who seeks after God. There's not a single person who seeks after God. You do not wake up and say, I'm looking for God. It has never happened. There's not a single person who wakes up to go look for God. It has never happened. It doesn't matter how you think it happened to you. It never did happen. There's none who seeks after God. So those four nuns are not Roman Catholic nuns. (laughs) That is saying... There's none who is righteous in themselves in or by anything that they do. So what else do they do? Verse 18, their throat is an open tomb with a dead corpse. God says when he sees what comes out of our mouth, it is like you're opening a tomb with a dead person in it. That's how it smells to him. With their tongues, they practice deceit. They lie. They cheat. 
The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. We are always complaining. We are always bitter about things, complaining about life and why we think life should be better for us because we are so special. Their feet are swift to shed blood. They kill other people very easily. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known. The way of peace is the way of the cross. The way of peace is the way of the cross. They have not known the way of salvation because only the cross brings the peace of God. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. They do not fear God. So that is the conclusion of the spiritual condition of all humanity as God sees us right from Adam. Nine righteous, none who knows the way of peace, none who can come to Christ by themselves, by their choosing. The way of peace, as I said, is Christ Jesus because he is our peace before God. Because he made peace by the blood of the cross. So none can and will know peace unless God has been revealed to them through the gospel. Jesus must be revealed to a sinner by God. You cannot go to school to know about Jesus. It's impossible. There's no degree or certificate or diploma that will cause you to know Jesus. You cannot invite Jesus into your heart because you have never seen him. You don't know where he is. You cannot invite him. He must invite himself. Jesus must invite himself to a sinner. You cannot do a sinner's prayer to get Jesus to come into your heart. It is very popular teaching. But it is witchcraft. It is false. There is no sinner's prayer that I'm going to call you to come and do. After I'm done with my preaching. That will cause Jesus to get into your heart. There's nothing like that. When Jesus comes, he doesn't need your invitation. He will come. Jesus said this to Matthew. Sorry, to Peter. Simon Peter. Let's go to Matthew 16. Let's go to Matthew 16, 13 to 17. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, beginning at verse 13. Everybody there? Matthew says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
That's what people are saying about Jesus. But hear what Jesus said in verse 15. He said to them, Forget about what people are saying. But who do you say that I am? So, the matter of salvation is not about your mother. It's not about your husband. It's not about your children. It's about who do you say the Christ is? Who do you say Jesus is? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Wonderful Peter, your grandmother taught you well. Your Sunday school teacher is very good. What did Jesus say? You have a good grandmother. Jesus says, no, Peter. Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah. Simon, the son of Jonah. That's what that means. For flesh and blood, not your grandmother, not your father, not your mother, not your Sunday school teacher, has not revealed this to you. But who did? My father who is in heaven. Christ must be revealed. You cannot play tricks with this. Christ Jesus must be revealed. And once, brothers and sisters, once you begin to eat this kind of food, you cannot eat any other. Yes. Okay? So if you are hearing the truth of what I'm saying, what I'm declaring, I'm not the one teaching you. I cannot teach you the truth. It's impossible for me to teach you and convince you of the truth. God has to do it. Even now, if you agree with the words that I'm speaking, I'm not the one causing it. God has to cause it. Otherwise, you cannot hear it. You cannot rejoice in it. So all men and women are sinners. And that is God's point in these opening chapters of Romans 1 to 3. My brothers, when you teach, before you get to Romans 1 to teach, you should know already everything that's in between to the end of the book. Okay? So God has given witness of how he sees us. Even the best among us, they are all sinners. They are hopeless. They are condemned. If they are let, left to themselves, they are going to hell. They are ignorant of God's way because God has not revealed Christ to them. And now Paul writes to help the Jew who was under the law to give them a proper understanding of the law and says Romans 3 verse 19 now we know now now we know this was not known but now in the appearance of Christ now we know 
that whatever the law says, whatever the law says, yes. the Ten Commandments, whatever you want to bring from the law, whatever it says, it says to those who are under the law, but to do what? To make them holy and righteous? No. To make them acceptable to God? No. To make them to please God by their law keeping? No. Is that what the text says? It says that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. I'll tell you many people in the professing church have never heard that about the law. They claim they're doing the Ten Commandments. Oh, pass the Ten Commandments so that the kids can follow them. No, you're trying to get the kids killed. <laughs> You're trying to kill your children with the law. They've never heard that about the law. They're claiming that they're doing the law to please God. God says, no, you do not understand this. The law was given to shut up your mouth and say, be quiet. How? How does God shut the mouth of everybody? The law is like a zipper. Yeah? To close everyone's mouth so that it doesn't open. That's what the law was given to do by making everyone guilty. This is going to be a lot of teaching. So I need to pay attention. And I'm recording this. You will need to listen. I will give you a website later where after the messages have been recorded, you can always go and listen to them. Okay? And also you can refer to other people. And say, this is what we've been learning from the brother who came away from the years. No, I did not come from the years. The brother who came from Christ. Because the gospel does not belong to the United States. It belongs to Christ. Okay? The years did not call me to this. Christ did. So from the brother who came from Christ, Jesus remembered us and he sent us a brother to tell us the truth about himself. So how does the law make you guilty, my sister? The law makes you guilty by asking you to do something that you cannot do. Something that is impossible for you to do. So what is it that makes it impossible for a sinner as described in Romans 1 and 2 to do the law? What makes it impossible for you and I to do the law? Because the law demands one thing. Not your best effort. Not your sincerity. But perfection. Perfect obedience from the second that you were born to the second that you die. You must obey the law perfectly. Otherwise you are condemned. Okay? 
And if you miss one point of the law, if you miss one point, even as we are seated here, one point for one second, my sister again, if you miss one point of the law, for one second, you're going to hell. It does not matter what else you do right. If you miss one point, one point for one second, you are going to hell forever and ever. That's what the law requires. I cannot come to God and tell him that I love my mother. That's a lie. I may have some good feelings about my mother, but I never loved my mother the way that God would have me to love my mother. In perfection. To love my neighbors. To love my friends. In perfection. In word, thought, and deed. Every single day. Even in my sleep. We break the law even as we are dreaming. I'm not lying. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to tell you. That's the truth of the matter. So the law was given to show that a sinner cannot, cannot, cannot come to God. Cannot approach God. Cannot have eternal life by something, by anything that they do. It is impossible to come to God. Do you, when you preach the gospel like this, even the president of Kenya can listen to it. And have sleepless nights and say, what did this man say again? <laughs> God will not accept anything that you bring to him. So what is the conclusion of the matter? What do we do then? What do we do? There has to be a way. Is there a way? 20. Verse 20 of Romans 3. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, by the works of the law, no flesh, no person shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is what? Is the knowledge of sin. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So because of the spiritual condition that has been described to us in Romans and God's intention, design with the law, no person shall be justified in his sight. In other words, no person shall be accepted before God. Even a child who is born today and dies today, they have no right to go to heaven. They have no right. They have no right. They have no power to approach God. And you know, we, we have this thing of preaching people into heaven when they die. As soon as someone dies, oh, they're in heaven with the angels. With some fat angels. Beautiful angels. <laughs> That's all lies. 
That's not the truth. No flesh, no person, no child, not Miss Kenya, not Mother Teresa, if you have heard of Mother Teresa, the Roman Catholic nun, not the Pope, the Pope is in trouble, okay? The poorest man to ever live in this world, they cannot go to heaven by their own power, not Miss America, not Miss World, will be justified before God, will be declared by God to be righteous by anything that they did, not their money, not their looks, not their power, not their connections, because God is no respecter of persons, no respecter of men. It does not matter what. And you and I, we have come to Christ. We're not declared to be righteous because we chose him or because we accepted him. Jesus is not looking for people to accept him. That's a false Jesus. You don't dangle Jesus like some can of Fanta and say to kids, do you want a can of Fanta right here? That's not how it works. May God teach us. And it is okay to say, brother, I've grown in the church. I've been in the church. But God had never taught me his gospel until today. That's a faithful testimony. Okay? You cannot run your way into heaven before your time. It happens in the time that God reveals it. So by the law is the knowledge of sin. So underline that. By the law is the knowledge of who we are. The knowledge that we cannot give the law what it demands of us, which is perfect righteousness. By the law, we know that we are guilty before God. And by that, we are saying the law cannot make a sinner righteous. And I'll give you an example. Remember, I said this is a teaching conference. Yes. The law is like x-rays. You go to the doctor, the hospital, something happened to you. You either have a chest infection or you fell and broke your bone somewhere. The doctor takes you to the x-ray room and you have x-rays taken. What does the x-ray do? It shows that there's a broken bone. It shows you have pneumonia in the lungs. It can only reveal what is broken, what is wrong, the sickness. But the x-rays cannot cure you of your pneumonia. The doctor did not say, oh, brother, I see that you have pneumonia in your lungs. The x-rays will take care of you. Go home now. Any doctor who only takes x-rays and leaves you with no antibiotics is not a good doctor. And there are many such law preachers in the pulpits. 
There are false physicians who do not understand the cure. They keep telling you to go back to the law. They keep telling you to go back to Moses. They keep sending you to the x-ray x-rays room to have more x-rays and more x-rays. But they never send you to the pharmacy to collect your prescription. The pharmacy is the place of Christ. The x-rays room is the place of the Lord. Understand the connection? So what do we do then? There's nothing that we can do. I'm going to emphasize this point. There's nothing that you and I can do to be saved. It's revolutionary teaching. There's nothing that a sinner can do to come out of the condemnation of the law, out of the condemnation of sin. If there must be a way, it must be a God-given way. It cannot come from you and me if there should be a way. It must be a God-given way. It must be the work of God alone, verse 21, Romans 3. But now, but now, that's good news. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. It's not invited. It's revealed. <laughs> Be witnessed by the men of God. No. By the law and the prophets. But now, you hear that transition, but now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. We could have had also, but now, as our title is title number six. Yeah, I love titles. But at the end of this, we may have ten titles. But now, in the hopelessness of humanity, there is a righteousness that has been revealed. It is not the righteousness of man. It is not the righteousness of an angel. It is the righteousness of God. It is a righteousness that is apart from the law. In other words, it is righteousness that does not come from your obedience to the law. It does not come from your own obedience to God. But this righteousness, Paul says, it is witnessed by the law and the prophets. As I'm preaching, you are my witnesses. If we had gone to court and the Kenyan government was accusing me of something that I did, 1225, you say, no, Brother James was with us. You are my witnesses. So the law and the prophets from Genesis to Malachi they witness they bear testimony of the righteousness of God 
it is not for you to learn about your promises in 2024. God wants to make you prosperous in 2024. Why not in 2023? I needed money in 2023, not in 2024. Why not now? <laughs> it is witnessed by the law and the prophets, which means from Genesis chapter 1 to Malachi, it's talking about the same thing. The righteousness of God. We're going to discover it. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I wish all of Kenya would hear what God gave me to teach you. Amen. When you go home, tell people to come. Yes. Okay? Yes. And hear what God has given to teach you, to share with you. Amen. So the law and the prophets were not an end to themselves. They were for a witness as a testimony of the righteousness of God. But what is this righteousness of God? Verse 22, Romans 3. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. So I'm reading from the New King James. It did not teach it did not correctly translate that verse. The King James says it better. And so does the New English translation. Hear what the New English translation says on verse 22 of, of Romans 3. Namely, the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ for all who believe for there is no distinction the righteousness of God is not through your faith in Christ so we need a very good camera so that we may see this clearly we need good eyes good spiritual eyes to see this clearly the righteousness of God is not through our faith in Christ. The law and the prophets do not testify of our faith in Christ. It testifies of the faith of Christ. His faithfulness to the Father in doing everything that the Father said to be done to save his people from their sins. So, what is this righteousness of God? Christ Jesus is the righteousness of God. Because that is what the law and the prophets testify of, as he said in John 5.39. Let's go to John 5 verse 39. John 5.39. Jesus said, 
you study the scriptures diligently or thoroughly because you think in them you have eternal life but it is the same scriptures that talk about me <laughs> that testify about me Jesus is saying when you read the scriptures at the time of Jesus talking he was talking about the law and the prophets and he is saying to the Jews you study the scriptures diligently you know them verse by verse but you don't understand what they're saying these scriptures talk about me they testify about me. so whatever book of the Bible you read it doesn't matter the story. You should find Jesus in it. Amen. And we have a lot of messages like that to show you. But then Paul says, the righteousness of God in Christ is for all who believe. So which means the righteousness of God is not for all men and women universally. In other words, for you to understand what Paul is saying, it is saying, Jesus did not die to save everyone in the world. But only those who believe. But those who believe do not do so because they are smarter or because they are more intelligent than everybody else. They were, di they were no different from the rest. They were dead in trespasses and sins. That's Ephesians teaching. Those who believe only believe because they are the sheep of Christ. They were given to Christ by the Father and Christ redeemed them. And they were given a new birth by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, he gave them faith. And he gave them repentance. Yes. And repentance does not mean stop your sin. It's very popular. It's false. Repentance in the gospel sense means turn away from everything else and come to the righteousness of God which is Christ Jesus. Because if God would say to Sister Cecilia, turn from all your sin to be saved, she can never be saved. Why? Because she sins every day. Whether she agrees with it or not, it doesn't matter. I know she sins every day. And if I do know that, God knows that even more. Let's hear from John 10. Let's go to John 10, 24 to 27. John 10, 24 to 27. The Jewish leaders surrounded him and asked at the Feast of Dedication. John 10, 24 to 27. The Jewish leaders surrounded him, that is Jesus, and asked at the Feast of Dedication, how long will you keep us in suspense? 
if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Just say so. Jesus replied, verse 25, I told you and you do not believe. The deeds I do in my Father's name testify about me. They testify of who I am. Verse 26. But you refuse to believe. Because you are that stupid. Because you don't have a good teacher. Because you did not do the sinner's prayer. Because you were not baptized. You refuse to believe because that's the reason. You are not my sheep. You are not mine. Let me help you with understanding. You do not believe in Jesus to become his sheep. You believe because you are already sheep. So faith in Christ shows who you are. As God has given as God is chosen. You in Christ. When? Because if. God would choose. Our sister Lois. Today. There's no reason for God to choose it. <laughs> because she is a sinner. So if God would choose anyone. He already did. Before you were born. He chose from before the foundation of the world. So Jesus says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And the voice of Jesus is not some stupid thing that you hear in your head. The voice of Jesus is the message of the cross. That's the voice of Jesus. And the sheep will hear that. And they'll follow that. The sheep were always sheep. Gods never become sheep. Okay? Sheep remain sheep. Gods remain gods. (laughs) Verse 23, Romans 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all. That's the condition of all men and women, all children born today. They're born as sinners. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a sinner. Can I repeat that for someone who didn't quite hear me? Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a sinner. Okay? There's only one who is righteous. Christ. The brothers of Jesus, they were sinners. Don't pray to them. They're sinners. Mary cannot help you before God. She needs Jesus as we need Jesus. So anyone born in Adam is a sinner. Jesus was not born in Adam. 
Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, and that means outside of Adam. As I said, Mary cannot intercede for you before God. That's not his job. That's not her job. Because if Mary could intercede for you before God, then Joseph, the husband, could also intercede for you. Why not ask? Because if Mary can hear you, Joseph can also hear. And if Joseph can hear you, his brother can also hear. And if I die, I can hear you too. And when we do that, we're in trouble. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Wow. One mediator. So all have sinned. All have fallen short of the mark, of the standard. That's what to sin means. This is the standard and everybody's down there. Even one who is here is still down there. <laughs> okay? So if you're 99.1% righteous, you're still under the mark. You won't enter. If you're 99.9999999 until your computer crashes, you still cannot make it. Because you're still under the mark. <laughs> or have sinned. So to fall short, is the Greek word means to fall behind in the race to be left behind in the race and being in Kenya and everything that you know about your own people you have the natural ability to run you have a lot of sprinters very good sprinters and to fall short means to fall behind the race of righteousness. And you're failing to make it to the end of the line. So all people, all men and women in the race of righteousness, none of them have been able to make it to the finish line. None. They've all fallen along the way. So if they should make it to the end, someone who is able to make it to the end has to come and pick them up. And that's Jesus. Amen. Thank you. So all sinners, all men and women may begin the race. But they cannot finish it. You can put me in a 25 kilometer race or 30 kilometer, but granted, you know I'm not going to finish it. But I can start. I can even start it with some very new shoes, nice shoes. Get me some shoes for one million dollars. Nice shoes, comfortable shoes. But I'm not making the rest. I cannot finish it. Doesn't matter what you're wearing. Some begin, because it's December already. December is coming. There's a lot of people who have New Year's resolutions. 
Next year in January, I'm going to start a New Year's resolution. I'm going to be better. I'm going to reset this race thing so that I can finish it. I can be more righteous. I'm going to try to be better person, to be more righteous this 2024. Why not 2023? What happened in 2018? What happened when you were in high school? Do not think God forgets your sin that you committed in high school. Even if you stopped it, it's still on the record. We will fail every year, every day, every second. We will fail. So that is you and me and everyone. So what then is the solution for those who have fallen behind the race? False religion will come and say, train hard for the next race. Wake up early in the morning at three in the morning and start the race. Start your prayer. Start your fasting. False religion will say, bring money to the church. Give the men of God some money. Pray at 3 a.m. I have to kill this 3 a.m. thing because it's too popular. <laughs> Why are you praying at 3 a.m.? Is God sleeping? Is, does God get busy at 1 p.m.? Is God busy at 1? Why at 3 a.m.? Is, is, is 3 a.m. when the customer service desk is open in heaven? <laughs> it's foolishness. It happens when people are not being taught the truth. There's no hope for you at 3 a.m. Please, my brother and sister, go to sleep. Enjoy your bed. You paid money for it. <laughs> you and I disqualified from the race. We cannot participate in this race by ourselves. And that means someone else has to run the race for us. So let us hear Paul again. For there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no difference, no exception among those born of Adam. There's none who is justified and can be justified at cross. And that means there are no alternative ways to go to God apart from Christ Jesus and apart from the blood of the cross. There is no other way. If we should die here and now, like this very second, there is no other way to go to heaven. But sometimes people think, oh, I still have another 20, 40 years. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to work my way by myself. No, you have no way to work yourself to heaven. It has to be the one way. Christ Jesus who said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by, by me. So there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, between a child, between the blind, the lame, the president, those who read and can read, those with five PhD degrees, those who are doctors, and there's no difference. If they should be saved, it's only the one way that God has declared things to be. 
and it is non-negotiable. Okay? Because all are in the same WhatsApp group of unrighteousness. Verse 24. We have good news. Because if we ended in the verses that we've just discussed, we would be in trouble. But God added some more stuff. So let, let us hear what God said. Verse 24. But they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Those who have failed to complete the race of righteousness by themselves because of sin are justified freely by his grace. And there are too many things here for us to unpack. So the sinner, that is you, is said to be justified. To be justified does not mean that you feel righteous in yourself. It does not make you a good person either. It means to be declared by God as the judge to be a righteous person on account of Christ. So to justify is a word that is only used in the courts. It is the language of courts. It is the language of judges. It is the judge pronouncing a person who is guilty as not guilty, as just, as righteous, even though they just murdered someone, even though they just stole from someone, even though they've just lied, the judge comes and says, oh, David, guess what? Yes. You are a righteous man, even though you just killed someone. Jesus. No, it's offensive. Yes. And the Holy Spirit says, the sinner is declared to be such, to be a righteous person, freely, underline that freely, freely, to be justified freely, not by members of his or her church, not by angels, not by their works, not by good morals, but freely. Let us explain that again. Freely translates the Greek word, which means without a reason. <laughs> so the sinner is declared to be righteous by God without any reason or cause that is found in them. There's nothing found in them that caused God to say, Oh, brother David Innocent, brother Patrick, they are righteous. So what that means is it is not because of their will. It is not because of their effort. It is not because of their faith or because of their repentance. Faith and repentance, as I said, are not things that are natural to us. They are totally absent and are given freely to those that God justified freely by his grace. Another thing. A person is declared to be righteous not because of their faith. 
not because of their repentance. This is also a very popular teaching, but it's false. The gospel has a lot of moving parts that need to be connected together. And that is why teaching is very important. Faith is not what we give to God for us to be saved. Faith is what God gives you to tell you that you're saved. Tell me I'm So let us continue to unpack about how a sinner is made right before God. Verse 24, Romans 3. But they're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So three things in that verse that you need to note. Number one, justified freely. Number two, by his grace. Number three, through the redemption that is in Christ. And what is all that saying? It is saying all of God's doing. It is all of God's doing. That is why it is freely done because free things are what are consistent with grace. Because grace means God giving and doing for you what you could not do for yourself. And I love some free things. If anybody has some free things to give me, I will take them. Because I'm a free things preacher. So grace does not get along very well with works when it comes to your justification, to your salvation, to your standing before God. Those are saying the same thing. Only grace agrees with God, agrees with the cross. Only His grace answers and has answered for you all the issues that you ever had and will ever have with God. Things that you did yesteryear, things that you remember, and a lot of things that you don't remember, all has been taken care of by God's grace. So justification is tied to His grace and to the redemption, and that means to the blood of the cross. And that also means... Justification happened at the same time that Jesus died. Because that's when he made the payment. You cannot keep owing a debt that was paid for. If you owed me 1,000 shillings and someone came and paid me the 1,000 shillings, on your behalf, do you still owe the 1,000 shillings to me? Is it right for me to come and ask for 1,000 shillings from you? And you are saying God is going to do the same thing and come and ask you for what Christ already paid? Christ already made the payment. So your debt was paid when he died. Not when you came to the knowledge of the payment. Okay? But redemption and justification are not the same. They go together. To redeem means to set free. To redeem means to set free by the payment of the price. And to justify means to declare one is righteous before God 
because of the price that was paid. And the price that is paid is the ransom price. It was the price for your freedom from sin and condemnation. And God said, for the people that he gave to Christ to be saved, this was the ransom price. It was the blood of the cross. Okay? So when the ransom is paid, what happens if you are in prison because you owe 100,000 shillings and the courts have said, unless the $100,000 is paid, you're going to have to do your 10 years in prison. If someone comes and pays the $100,000 to the court, what's going to happen in the next few days? You must go home. You must be set free. Yes. <laughs> so the blood of Christ is what was paid to set you free. Okay? So you were not set free when you believed. You were set free when he paid. So faith is not when you were justified. Faith reveals, as I said, that you were justified in the death of Christ. So your knowing about the death of Christ is not what justifies you. It was God seeing the blood of his son that set you free. As he said, if you still remember from Exodus chapter 12, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. I'll justify you from all your sins. The angel of death will not come on your house as to destroy you. So that is God's declaration. And it was done and finished on the cross. So let's hear again verse 24 to 26. We are almost close to the end. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So that's a lot of words. And it needs unpacking again. It needs to be taught. Because more pieces have been added to the conversation. So our justification was done freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. The Christ whom God set forth, God exposed or displayed Christ publicly on the cross yes. as a propitiation, as the mercy seat, as the covering on the Ark of the Covenant. It's a lot of teaching. Amen. These are a lot of words. Yes. This is why you can't waste time and not be teaching. You need to explain all these things. Because they relate to the cross. So, this is what Paul is saying. When Aaron, who was the high priest, 
in the Old Testament in his time. When he went into the tabernacle, he would take the blood of sacrifice and he would come and sprinkle that blood on this plate called the mercy seat. And in the tabernacle, there was the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant had three things in it. It had the manna. Remember the manna? It had the rod of Aaron. It had the two tablets of stone. And then on top of this box was a plate, a covering of gold. And God said, if you should come towards me, because God would appear in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies. And he said, if you should come, if you should try to come and not die, you're going to bring the blood. You're going to have to bring the blood of a sacrifice. And you're going to sprinkle the blood on the covering of the Ark of the Covenant. So that I may not kill you. But this was only as a picture. Because the blood of bulls and gods could never take away sin. And the Holy Spirit now says the real blood has come. The real blood has been revealed. It is the blood of Christ. Amen. That is the blood that has been sprinkled to cover the wrath and to remove the wrath of God. Okay? So to propitiate means to remove the wrath by way of satisfaction through the shedding and covering of the blood of the God-appointed sacrifice and that is Christ Jesus. And this propitiation, this satisfaction is accessible to the sinner through faith as against through the law. That's the point of justification by faith. Paul is making a distinction between being justified by Christ and being justified by the law. So when he says justification by faith, he is not saying your faith is causing justification. He is saying you are justified by Christ. Okay? And God did these things to demonstrate his righteousness. God was demonstrating his righteousness. He was speaking to who he is and what he requires of a sinner to be saved. For a sinner to approach God. God says, I need you to hear me clearly. God says and he's saying, for you to come to me and not die and not go to hell, you need a mediator. You need a representative. You need a high priest. You need something, someone to stand between you and God. You need blood. And whatever you need, I have to give you. Yes. 
And if any of these things are missing, if the high priest is missing, if the blood is missing, which means if Christ is missing, you are in trouble. You will die. There's no negotiation. So God was demonstrating his righteousness in the law and the tabernacle system and that look into Christ Jesus who is God's righteousness of which the tabernacle itself testified of. If I would come again, there are a million messages to preach from the tabernacle. Okay? So Christ is the satisfaction for your sins. Christ was the fulfillment of what God was preaching in the Old Testament scriptures. And he is the satisfaction to God's wrath. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So this is in reference to the elect who existed before the cross. Because God also had his elect people before the cross. And God is saying in his patience... Knowing that what knowing what he was going to do for them in Christ, he passed over their sins that they had committed. In other words, he did not judge them according to their sins. He did not impute their sins to them. But he did not justify them then because he had a much bigger transaction that was coming in the time of Christ in the appearance of Christ to remove the iniquity of all his people in one day. So Christ Jesus was not charged with our sins from all of eternity. He was only charged with our sins when he was getting ready to go to the cross. And that is why there was a trial of Jesus. And that is why he was found guilty. And that is why Jesus could not be set free. We are going to speak to that in the next message. Amen. It's a wonderful message. And so in Christ and by his cross, God was to demonstrate at the present time, in the time of the coming of Christ, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So to demonstrate is saying toward a demonstration. In other words, a repeating and expanding of God's purpose that in Christ and by his death, God would be just, would be righteous in forgiving sin and justifying sinners and be the justifier, be the one who declares the sinner is righteous. Let me explain what that is saying. That is saying God does not forgive sin. I need you to hear me clear. God does not forgive sin. Never. It must be paid. Your sins are, pay are forgiven because someone paid. If they were not paid by Jesus, they are not forgiven. God does not say, oh, yeah, of course, I understand you are very immature. Let's forget about it. No, it does not work like that. It must be paid. 
So God must be just. He must be righteous in everything that he does. So if he should forgive and bring you to his presence, someone has to make the payment. There's no free ride. There's no free lunch. Jesus must pay. So God does not forgive sin. Someone must pay. And the gospel is saying, Christ paid for his sins. That's how you're forgiven. Okay? Someone needs to pay. Even for those that he loves, someone still has to pay. Okay? Christ must bring the blood. He must bring the payment. So for those of us who believe, it means all our sin debt was paid for. Okay? Here, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 17 You see, when you're beginning to teach the gospel to people, there's a lot of things to explain. That's why the messages take long. If I was preaching to my regular congregation, yes, they will be long, but I have to explain a lot of things for you guys. So that it makes sense. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 17. Fourteen to seventeen. Second Corinthians chapter two, fourteen to seventeen. Apostle Paul writes and says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, which means using the word of God for profit, to make money from the word of God. But as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God. I went to that verse to say, the gospel is particular. It's not for everyone. That's why I can come and preach to you. Even if you come tomorrow and there are two of you, I'm still going to keep preaching. If there's one person who comes, I'm still going to preach like there's 20,000. And if no one comes, I'm still going to preach it. Okay? The gospel is for the elect. It is for the chosen. It's not food for everyone. Okay? To some, it is the smell of death. To others, it is the smell of life. Of salvation. Verse 27, Romans 3. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. 
by what law or by what principle? Is it of works? No, but by the law of faith. So Paul is saying, God does not want anyone to boast. God does not want any of us to come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not lead a healing ministry in the name of Jesus? And I delivered a lot of people in the name of Jesus. Did I not cast demons in the name of Jesus? And they left. Did I not do many wonderful things in your name? Did I not feed a lot of people? You see, when you go and read that from Matthew 7, from verse 20 onwards, Jesus does not say, oh no, you are lying. He does not say they are lying. He just says, depart from me, you lawless ones. I never knew you. Because if you had known anything about me, you would not be talking about the wonderful things that you, you did. You'll be talking about what I did. You'll be talking about the cross. So depart from me, you lawless ones. I never knew you. It means I never loved you. That's what it means. Jesus is God. He knows everyone. So what does it mean when he says, oh, I never knew you? <laughs> he is saying, I never loved you, so I never saved you. Get away from me. But if you belong to me, I would have taught you the truth. I would have taught you the cross. Okay? So where's boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? By what principle? What is it that God has used to move all men of boasting? It's because of sin. Sin did not come by accident. You're going to hear that from a lot of preachers. They were trying to protect God. God doesn't need anyone to protect him. God does not have a bodyguard. Yes. <laughs> You do not need to protect God. Sin came because of God. Hear me, someone. Sin came because of the glory of Christ. Sin came to exclude Boston. It was not by accident. Adam did not eat in the garden. Because Eve was just such a beautiful woman. Yes, I think she was very beautiful. But that's not the reason why she ate. It's because sin had to come. Because Christ had to come. Because the cross was from the before, before the foundation of the world. Okay? So there are no accidents when it comes to God. I've been in the Ubers. The Matata. I haven't seen an accident. There should be an accident every second. It's incredible what I've seen. It's crazy. These drivers are crazy. I mean, like, they're so good. Those guys are not crashing into each other. But somehow, you are telling me that sin happened and God was sleeping? 
Where was God when the devil showed up in the garden? Why did God show up just after Adam had eaten? He knew what was going on. The devil had been sent of God to go and tempt the two. Because they must sin. And when they sin, that sets the foundation for Christ to come. Hallelujah. So it was always his purpose to glorify his son. So sin shuts up everybody by making them guilty. And the law comes and it finds everybody guilty. And says, oh, I need 100% obedience. If not, you are condemned. You're going to hell. Okay? So, the conclusion of sin and law is you are condemned. Okay? Sin and law together, you are condemned. So, where is boasting? You have no room for boasting. It is excluded. You can't claim your goodness before God. You can't claim that you were a good person. You obeyed God. Because the law will say, oh, no, you're lying. You could not do the law. So God comes and says, I have a righteousness to demonstrate. And to give. But not to all. Again, to shut up everyone from boasting. Because it is not their righteousness. But it is God's righteousness that has been given them. So you can't boast about something that I gave you for free. And say, oh, look at me. I worked for this. That's what God is saying. God is saying, you cannot come to him and beat your little chest. And say, look at me with the righteousness that I have. God says, get away from me. If you should come to me, it shall only be by something that I give you. I have to give you what I need from you. I give you my righteousness and that is the righteousness that you give back to me. I'm going to give you Christ and when you come to me, you bring the testimony of Christ. Don't bring anything else. So both things excluded. Christ alone. Faith alone. And faith is not something that you're feeling in your chest. And saying, oh, I have faith today. Oh, I'm praying that God may increase my faith. I'm fasting to increase my faith. (laughs) You cannot increase your faith. God is the one who gives the increase. I plant and I water, I teach. It's God who gives the increase. Okay? The farmer does not cause anything to germinate. They can water. They can plow the ground. Unless God causes the increase, nothing is coming out of the ground. Right? That's all preaching Christ. Okay? 28. We're almost done. Therefore, Romans 3.28. <laughs> so the conclusion of the whole matter. This is what we conclude. Everything that we have had. Yes. We conclude that a man is justified apart from the deeds of the law. A man is declared to be righteous 
by faith, apart from the deeds of the law, apart of their own obedience to the law. Let's go to Hebrews 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Showers of blessing. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith. Remember I said faith is not something that you feel in your chest. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So if you are seeing your money from the preacher. Is that faith then? <laughs> is the evidence of things not seen. So faith is not the cause of your justification, but it is the evidence of things not seen. It evidences the substance of your possession. It is the evidence of Christ in you. Faith is the evidence that you have been possessed by Christ Jesus. It evidences what God has done for you. Who you are and what God thinks about you. Do you want to know what God thinks about you? If you are in Christ, you are righteous. End of story. It doesn't matter what happens tonight. Tomorrow, if you are in Christ, this is what God thinks about you. You are righteous. Amen. On your best day, as is on your worst day, God is not learning anything new from you. God does not learn anything. Okay? You and I are learning. God knows everything. From the beginning to the end. Or from the end to the beginning. It doesn't matter where you want to begin. He is the Alpha, He is the Omega. Amen. Okay? So God does not learn. So he's not going to discover something new that he didn't know about you. Say, oh, I did not realize she was that bad. <laughs> Let me change my mind. Yes. That's how God is being preached. Yes. Listen carefully to the preachers. They're preaching God as if he's learning everything new from you. God does not learn anything. Verse 29. Verse 29 of Romans 3. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is only... Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So basically what Paul is saying is the Jews were circumcised in the flesh if they should be saved they would be served the same way as those who were not circumcised who were the non-Jews. They are served the same way. That's what he's saying. You do not get circumcised to be served. If you're uncircumcised, by faith you're served. If you're circumcised, by faith you're served. Everybody served the same way through Christ. That's the point. Verse 31, and that's our last verse. So, 
Once you begin to know this gospel, the law keepers are going to come after you and say, so are you saying that the Ten Commandments are bad? Are you saying we should just go and do whatever we want and sin whatever we want? Well, you're already doing whatever you want. Everybody does whatever they want. You dress exactly what you wanted this morning. Exactly how you wanted it. You're going to eat what you like to eat. You're going to drink what you like to eat. I mean, what you like to drink. So Paul then anticipates the argument of someone coming and saying, if someone is served apart from something good that they do, are you then saying that the law is bad, is void? And Paul says, oh, not exactly. On the contrary, we established the law, but here we need some good teaching. I have to explain what that means in closing. This vested one is saying, the law of God had a purpose. It had a function. And the purpose could not be set aside, could not be nullified, could not be made void. Its purpose was to show the difference between a man and God. That the man is a sinner and God is righteous. And the sinner needed to be justified. And to be justified by a perfect righteousness which the law testified of. But when you read the law correctly, it is a testimony of Jesus. Okay? So through Christ Jesus, the law has been established as righteous, as holy and good. Because he came and he did it. He fulfilled the law. He gave the law everything that the law required. Okay? So the gospel establishes the righteousness and holiness of the law through the cross. Because it took God himself to come and do the law. Okay? I have more teaching on this. Especially if you follow my Romans teaching. I'm teaching through the book of Romans right now. Uh, I think we are in Romans. We just started Romans 8. I'm going to be teaching through the book of Romans for the next maybe three years. Every Sunday. I've been preaching for more than 13 years. I've taught the book of John verse by verse all the way. Galatians, Hebrews, Ephesians. It took me almost five years to go through the book of John every Sunday, verse by verse. That's how you do God's business. Okay? No need to rush it. Jesus is not going anywhere. You won't be able to teach the whole Bible, but you can teach the Christ of the Bible. Yes. <laughs> okay? 
teach the Christ of the Bible. God be praised. We are done. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many words that have been given, spoken this afternoon. I thank you for the testimony of Christ that you have revealed to us. And I pray that this message has been heard by your people and shall be heard by your people. May you grant these who are here the faith and eyes to see the truth of the gospel and cause them to repent to the truth. Because there's only one truth, there's only one Christ, there's only one cross, there's only righteous, one righteousness of God that has been revealed, and that is from faith to faith, the righteousness that has caused our justification through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I thank you for giving me ability to preach. I pray that you bless your people. We honor you, glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.